How's everybody tonight? Better than last week? Not as good as next week. Right? Every week gets better and better. After election day. We have uh, information for you all uh, about elections and it has to do with judges, some proposed ballot questions on Charlotte County's amendments, and uh, a guide to Florida's 2022 constitutional amendments. So um, they're on the back, and I'll remind you again uh, before you leave so you can pick them up on the back seats uh, before you go. And it gives you a couple weeks to read them over and get yourself set for the uh, election. Amen. Can you say red wave? <laughs> Be a good day to go surfing. <laughs> Hit the waves. All right. Let's uh, find our place in Revelation chapter 3 tonight. Okay, let's take a little bit of time right now. Let's bless the Lord. Let's open our hearts up to Him. Give Him the praise and the glory. So our heart is open to receive from Him what He wants for us to hear tonight. We bless you, Lord. We glorify your name. We give you all the praise, Lord Jesus. You alone are worthy. You're the Lord of Lords. You're the King of Kings, the mighty God, the majestic Lord. You are, you are all in all. You are our everything. You are all that we need. You are our, our heart's desire. There's nothing, nothing in the world that we could desire that compares with you. So wonderful are you, Lord. So glorious, so, so loving, so full of compassion and kindness. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for all that you are and all that you do. We call you El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, our healer, our provider. You are our righteousness, our shelter, our protection. We thank you, Lord, that we can run into you and we are safe. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We bless your name that's above every name that's been named in this age and in the age to come. The glorious, mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We come to sit at your feet to hear your word to this evening, to be taught of your spirit, that he would be able to impart into our heart revelation. So we open our heart to hear from you this evening. We turn from the things that would distract us. We will not give ourselves to wandering thoughts, but we will continue to set ourselves and give our attention to the things that your word is saying that we would hear you, Lord, speak into our hearts pertaining to our life, our situations, and the things that we need and the things that you would desire. Thank you, Lord, that by revelation, the power of hell is not able to stand against it. We continue to grow and increase in your divine nature, conforming to the image of Jesus, 
more and more walking in a manner worthy of you and pleasing you in all respects. Lord, we bless you, we praise you, give you all the glory for it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. We've been talking over the last number of weeks about compromise, that we don't want to compromise, that we don't want to be led into compromise. We don't want to be tricked into compromise or being deceived into compromise. Compromise is not a good thing. Isn't that right? So Jesus is speaking now to the church of Sardis. We saw where he spoke to the church of Pergamum. He spoke to the church of Thyatira. But now he's going to start speaking to the church of Sardis. And he says to the angel or to the pastor of the church in Sardis, write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. How's that for an opening phrase? <laughs> so he says here that he has the seven spirits. Um, we know that there are seven churches. He has the seven stars and he's making a point, you know, because he has he holds it. We know in, in other things that he said he holds it in his right hand and um, you know, he writes to the church and he writes to the pastor because even the Lord does not bypass the chain of command. You know, it's very important. He's uh, very picky about that. And um, seven is the number of completion or the number of perfection or the number of fullness. All right. So when he's talking about the seven spirits, he's talking about not that there are seven spirits, but he's talking about the perfection of the Holy Spirit, that his perfect work, his perfect ministry in all areas as helper, standby, uh, strengthener, counselor, uh, comforter, advocate, intercessor. He's our leader. He's our guide. He, he teaches us all things, shows us things to come. His ministry is perfect to us. And that's what the word seven means. It's a number of completion. Okay. And then when he talks about the seven stars, he's talking about stars, which we saw a couple of weeks ago, has to do with the ministries. Okay. And the says the perfection of the ministry. So, again, he's talking about all areas, all seven, perfect, complete. He has the seven. He has a masterful grip on the seven stars or the seven ministries and the seven spirits. And I believe there's another place where it says that the spirit is before the throne of God, which means he's in the face of God all the time. And if you remember, Jesus said that which is of the fathers, he's given to me and I will give it to you. And he does it through the Holy Spirit. So if you don't want to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit, you'll miss out on everything Jesus has for you. And this is why it's so important to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that takes of Jesus who has taken from the Father, and he is the one that brings it to us. Amen. He works all things. Jesus has all the fullness, all the glory, all the control, and all the authority. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The city of Sardis was a city on a mountainside, high up on a mountainside, and at the base of the, of the mountain flowed the river Pactolus, which served as a moat, and it rendered the city practically impregnable. 
So you couldn't get up the mountain, you couldn't get through the moat, okay? But because of it seemingly to be so impregnable, they created a failure to watch. And the fortified city, even though it was practically impregnable, it had been successfully scaled in 549 B.C. by a Median soldier and again in 218 B.C. So although things might seem like nothing can ever happen, it creates a failure to watch. And that is a very important phrase. So he goes on, he says here, I know your deeds. I know. I know it firsthand. I've been there. I've walked in your midst. I've been around. I've seen it for my own self. I've seen your deeds or your works, and I've seen the lack of it. I know how you listen, and I know if you even listen at all. I've seen it for myself. I've been there. I walked through your midst because I told you that when two or three gather together, I am in your midst. That's not some theology of, oh, some, you know, he's right there. He's looking. He's watching. He's listening. He's the head of the church, and he has the right to do so. And he has the right to criticize anything he don't like, and he has the right to commend what he is impressed with. He's the head of the church. Amen. It says here, I know your deeds that you have a name. You have a name. You know, and we've talked about this before, that whatever spirit influenced the city always tried to get in the church. Isn't that right? And we've seen that in the churches, that it was infiltration versus invasion. What is the difference between invasion and infiltration? Invil in invasion is against your will. Infiltration is through your total acceptance of it. So the enemy infiltrates when we say, yeah, sure, we accept that. And why would we do that? Compromise. Many times a church problem is a stronghold problem. The prevailing influence over the city for many years, and people give themselves to that influence. So, for instance, where do we live? We live in Punta Gorda, the Charlotte County area, right? And it was named Fat Point. That's what Punta Gorda means, right? Fat Point. Place of abundance. Punta Gorda has been given a name in magazines as one of the best places to live and the best places to retire. There's an abundance of beaches, golf, sun, boating, cookouts, year-round good weather, vacation spots, tourism, restaurants, relaxation, rest, and retirement. And that same mentality in Fat Point creeps into the church. Oh, the weather was so nice. I just had to go to the beach today. That's why I didn't go to church. The weather's always nice. Well, it's my only day off. I wanted to relax. Why don't you take another day off? Oh, I have to work. Oh, so your money is more important than what you can hear from God. Selah. 
This is paradise. It's the land of relaxation. It's too convenient not to enjoy it all the time. God has blessed me by allowing me to live abundantly at the beaches and at the boats and the fishing and the golf. And what do we do? We take on a mental failure to watch. It's called apathy. You don't understand that? Look at the political. Look at the political realm. The church has been so apathetic that this is what you now get. What do you think is happening in your individual life if you're going to have a failure to watch? It's the place of compromise. A failure to watch stops your victory and steals your overcoming position. Well, Punagorda is also named the Bay of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought the founder, made safe passage, gave great abundance. But to live in that place called the Bay of the Holy Spirit is that we have to live in him. Not born again, but living in him. So which name do we want to be known by? He says you have a name. So what name do we want to be known by? What, what name do we want in our church? What name do we want Jesus to know us by? He knows we have a name. Which name will we choose? Are you with me? So like the city of Sardis that was practically impregnable, they had a pride, they had an overconfidence, they were cocky, and they were lazy. They were smug as a bug in the rug because they thought they were protected and nobody could ever, ever break through. So what did they do? They never looked at the foundation. They never looked at the walls. Just a failure to watch. Just figured everything's okay. But because of massive fractures that happened in the walls and in the foundations, the foundation started to crack, so the walls started to crack. So it became very easy for an enemy to climb up the side of the mountain and slip in through the cracks and march right into the city. And yet the city residents were completely unaware of all of the problems, thought everything was just wonderful. They had a failure to watch. And the enemy came at night because the enemy always comes at night. And this is why we say in the nighttime is your worst time to make a decision. Never make a decision when things are bad. It's the nighttime. Don't make a move. The enemy comes at night. When the residents of Sardis woke up in the morning and they went out into the streets, they were thrown into a state of panic and shock, realizing that now they're surrounded on every side by an enemy force that they never even knew snuck in. And never even knew they had a way to snuck in. The enemy forces had infiltrated into their midst before the people of Sardis even knew the forces were even close. They never even knew they were near. Why? Because they had a failure to watch. And unfortunately, the city of Sardis is just like so many of us. We become so busy with life. We become so tossed about by everyday cares. Or maybe we're so confident of our own abilities. 
and we become unaware of our own spiritual need. Now, I'm not even talking about people that aren't saved. I'm talking about believers. Spiritual need goes way, way beyond getting saved. And we go on in life as though we have no need to deal with the foundations of our lives, not realizing that the tiny cracks are starting to form. That's why home group is so important, because it helps you to look at your foundation, the one you're so sure you don't need to do any work on. Home group isn't about going to have some coffee and fellowship with one another. It's about checking up on your foundations and making sure they're solid because the enemy's looking for a crack. And now that we're so busy with all the garbage that just come around because of the storm, we really can take on a failure to watch. What do you think the enemy's going to use to attack your life when you're too busy doing other stuff? Well, you know, foundations, I mean, you know, foundations, uh, I mean, I just really want a foundation about healing, and I want a foundation about prosperity, and that's all that I want in my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your life is a lot more than that, and if you don't know it, you're not watching, because you were made the righteousness of God. That means there's a room called righteousness. You were put, put within you was the fruit of the Spirit, which means there's a room in your life called the fruit of the Spirit, and without a foundation, these things are not going to stand. And yet all of this is needed in your weapons against the enemy. It's not about having a mental Rolodex. It's about having a spiritual treasure. It's not about your mind being able to flip to the right verse that you need. It's about a spiritual treasure that comes alive on the inside of you when it's needed. And if you don't understand that, you need some help. You need that spiritual treasure on the inside, those golden nuggets, not a mental Rolodex. Your mind's not a mental concordance. Your spirit holds the treasures of the Word of God. This kind of neglect in our thinking is usually accompanied by prayerlessness and insensitivity to the Holy Spirit. A Christian that gets too busy to get into the presence of God does not check their foundations and will soon find themselves in trouble just like Sardis, surrounded by their enemy and never saw him coming. The spirit that influenced the city of Sardis was also in the church. We must never be so smug, rested, and relaxed. Never have so much of a vacation mentality that we fall into complacency. Because the day we do, we're in big trouble. Big trouble. The devil starts to come, starts to steal, starts to steal, and you don't even realize it. Starts to destroy things in our lives, don't even realize it. He's getting in. But we're too busy. If we're so confident, rested, and relaxed, we must also be watchful. If we're not, the enemy will slip in and take us captive in areas of our lives. 
you know, in my house, I may only care about the kitchen and the bedroom. I want to eat. I want to sleep. That's all I care about. But you know what? The enemy slips in to the family room. The enemy slips into the family room, uh, the back room. He slips into another room. Before I know it, he's in my kitchen and in my bedroom. And by that time, can't even do anything about it. See, you have to have confidence in the correct source. Sardis was not confident in the right things. Confidence in the right source will be shown in your choices and in your words. He says, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Your name is alive. So at one time, this church had a great name and had a great testimony of being spiritually alive, radiant, and energetic. But because believers in that church got too busy, they failed to give heed to the foundational things in their lives, and cracks formed spiritually over time. And eventually, the devil found a way to slip into the church and ruin its name and its influence. Let me tell you this, the devil could give a rip about your money. The devil could give a rip about whether you feel good or not. He wants to steal your influence because there's a world he wants to drag to hell. And that's all it's about. He wants to destroy your influence over other people. Amen. Because of spiritual negligence, the church of Sardis, and when I talk about the church of Sardis, you understand I'm talking about individuals. We're not just talking about the organization. It's all made up of individuals, and in order for the church to have a failure to watch, it had to be at the individual level. And because of that negligence and failure to watch, this church lost its power, its vigor, and its energy until Jesus even said, you say you're alive, but I say you're dead. And Jesus came to the pastor and said, your people are not watching. It's a shocking truth that everybody must heed. You think you're living in a place that's impregnable? You think you're living in a place solid and strong? I got this all together. And then Jesus comes and says, you think you're alive, but you're dead. The reason being is you're not watching. Only living people watch. Every correction to every church was a shock. You know, we always want to know, well, what does Jesus say? Is Jesus satisfied? Well, you have to be prepared for the answer. Because sometimes we're very happy with ourselves. But whose standard is that by? Amen. Verse 2. Let's move along. <laughs> so because of a failure to watch, he says, you say you're alive, but I said you're dead. So wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. 
Now, in the city of Sardis, there was a cult religion of the goddess Sybil. And nobody in Sardis worried about getting into trouble because you could just pray to Sybil and Sybil will come to your defense and make everything to be okay. Well, doesn't that happen in the church? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's okay. First John 1, 9 is there. I just confess my sin and his grace will just wash me clean. I don't have to watch. I don't have to be careful. I just run to him and he'll make everything okay. And we develop a failure to watch. And if you don't develop, and if you develop a failure to watch your foundation and watch your, watch your life, you know where you wind up? Failure to watch your sin. How many times have you said to yourself things like, well, what are you thinking that for? That's a dumb thought. That's, that's dumb. That, that's, that's, that's stupid thinking. But did you ever think, no, that's sinful? Did you ever deal with it at the level that it is? You know, like people that sleep together. They're not sleeping together. If they were sleeping, there'd be no problem. But they're not sleeping. But we say that to make it smooth and make it more, you know, easy. You know, when was the last time you heard somebody say they're fornicating? Nobody likes to hear that. But we say things to just make it, make it easier, make it softer, so it don't sound like sin. Because even sin is no. It's sin. So when was the last time you talked to yourself like that? Why are you thinking that? That's sin. We don't usually talk to ourselves like that. Because when you do, you must do something about it. Developing a failure to watch. Slothful. A little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and your want comes in like an armed man. The church of Sardis had a name. Invincible, secure, slight persecution, slight problems. Had powerful Bible teaching, powerful evangelistic ministry at one time. But now Jesus says, wake up. Wake up, arise Arouse yourself and refrain from your sleeping and start giving attention. And the attention means with a conscious earnestness. Attention with a conscious earnestness, an alert mind that keeps from all drowsiness and slackening in the energy of faith and conduct. Now, let's just break that apart for a little bit. Okay, attention with a conscious earnestness earnestness how many times have you given your attention to something before you know it your mind someplace down the road that's not conscious earnestness you've just let your mind go when why is that happen because you're not watching and then see and that's where it starts that's where the failure to watch starts is with that mind and your mind starts to wander And you've got to get more earnest about being conscious about your mind staying focused and paying attention. It's called soundness of mind. You're supposed to have a sound mind as a believer, which is a focused, disciplined mind. Not one that's like all over the place. I don't even know what day it is. Wake up. Be alert. That'll keep you from being drowsy. 
not slackening in the energy of faith. Now, 2 Peter 1.5 talks about that he's given us his great and precious promises, right? And then he goes on to say that by these things, he says, add to your faith. And what's the first thing to add? Which is? And the first thing that gets slack in your life is that energy. I'm tired to get in the word. I'm too tired. I mean, I open it up. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get anything out of it. I mean, it just kind of, uh, I don't know. Energy of faith, gone. Fell asleep. Failure to watch. And therefore, because there's no energy of faith, there's no energy of conduct. I know I should, but I, d I don't really want to. As though God asks you what you feel like doing. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain. Strengthen them. It means set them fast, fix them firmly, and permanently establish them. And it means to get steadfast in your mind. Make it in your mind steadfast, fixed, firmly, and established. Firm up the foundations. You've let them go for a long time. The influence you had has disappeared. The energy you had is gone. The things of God are on a back burner. Strengthen the things that remain which are about to die. The word about to die, it means it's at the point of perishing and rotting. At the point of rotting. To perish by means of neglect. Just like a tree that dries up. The vine, the branch, dries up. When we get so sure of doing things on our own self. Well, how about in the uh, ministry of helps? So sure of ushering. So sure of just doing children's church. So sure of being in the sound, singing on the platform, being in, in worship, playing an instrument. I could be so sure in pastoring. Uh, how about so sure in uh, heading up a department or whatever it might be. So sure of ourselves that we don't need to prepare anymore. Well, I don't need to prepare. I'm just going to show up and, you know, I'm going to see people at the door and say hi. I mean, that's all there is to it. Failure to watch. And now all of a sudden, we don't need the Holy Spirit in anything we do. I mean, how is it that we, as supernatural people functioning in a supernatural church, serving a supernatural God, supposed to do things by the supernatural, do it within our own strength, but then when it comes to the things we want, oh, dear God, I need to connect with you. You're not going to connect. You're connecting in your own soul. That's all you're doing. Because you're not looking to him in the most important things you do in life, which is called serving him in his supernatural body, serving a supernatural God, being the supernatural person you've been called to be. And we do it out of our own self. And think we can just do that by ourselves, but everything else, you know, if we don't prepare, then we won't live that way. What's happening? 
things are getting ready to perish, to rot, and to die. And then we wonder, why isn't the Holy Spirit moving in the things we do? Because we never asked him to be a part of what we do. I have not found your deeds to be completed in the sight of my God. I have not found the Greek word heurisko where we get the word eureka. I did a search. I found out. I did an inquiry. I discovered and I found for myself. I procured under a close investigation. I checked all of the information and eureka. I found what was investigated, your deeds and your works in and of the church are not complete. And I see now that the name they gave you is not right. They gave you a name that said you're alive. I was talking to somebody just Monday night, and they would talk, talk to me about this big church. It was a big church and um, big platform, all bunch of singers and the musicians and doing worship and oh, just everybody just loves it. And found out that they all wear earbuds, ear monitors. And in the ear monitor, in the back room, they have a producer that tells them, okay, now get excited. Okay, now you need to lift your hands. Okay, now you need to do this. Now you need to get all the people wound up and excited with what you're doing. Okay, this is, and it's all a big production, just like Hollywood. That church has a name. That they're alive. But what did Jesus say about that? It's a production. Where's the flow of the Holy Ghost? Where's the move of God? Where is even asking him to come in to run the show? It's a production, a Hollywood production. And he was telling me, he says, there's stuff that goes on in there that even Hollywood, he says, you'd think it was Hollywood. That's sad. That's sad. Back in the uh, early 2000s when we were setting up the church and we were going to be going on TV, uh, the people that were putting in the big stage lights for us at the time, they said, oh, yeah, a lot of churches use these stage lights. And he goes, and when the pastor's going to make a point, they've got it all choreographed. So when the pastor's going to make a certain point, they flash the lights so that it just adds to the emphasis of what he's saying. It's a show. So what's happening? The entertainment spirit of the world has come right into the church. And Jesus is not entertained. He's not impressed at all. Oh, everybody out there says you're alive. But now I have a name for you. Are you with me? I investigated, I searched it out, I looked for myself, and I searched your deeds, and I searched your works in and of the church, and I found that the name that they gave you was incorrect because your works are not completed. The word completed, the Greek word plero, it means to make full or to fill a vessel. 
A completed vessel is one in which there is no more room left to fill it. It's packed full. Well, how did Jesus represent himself to this church? The one with the seven spirits, the one that holds the seven stars. So what did he represent to them? Fullness. He's representing to them the fullness that they lacked. And this is what he does when he talks to the churches. He represents himself as that which they lacked. And he wants to bring the fullness that they once had by the Spirit. He wants to bring it back to them. But without the Spirit, they were in what? Dead works. See, Jesus don't look for quantity. He looks for quality. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro, searching someone who's doing all kinds of stuff. Mm -mm. He's looking for a faithful heart. He looks for quality. He don't look for quantity. He's looking for works of obedience, works that are led, instructed, and powered by the Holy Spirit. He's not looking for any old works. He's not looking for any old door greeter. He's not looking for any old children's church worker. He's not looking for any old nursery babysitter. He's looking for somebody that will be in completed works, doing things by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ones that are led and directed by the Holy Spirit that wants to do it by the Spirit rather than just in their own dead self. He wants completed works, not just any old works. We've said this from back in the 80s. Jesus isn't just looking for a warm body. Amen. Sardis church looked good. They looked good, but they were dead. They didn't have correspondent actions. They had dead works. Faith comes how? By the word of God, right? How do actions come? By the Spirit of God. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of the word. He is the finisher and the completer of faith. Faith has to be completed. Doing things that look righteous don't make one righteous. It's got to be inward and then outward. Well, just because we're doing the right works or the right actions doesn't make it right. Depends on what's going on on the inside. He's the author of faith because it comes from him, but the actions are to come from him also. We're to be led by the Spirit into the actions that we do. Whether it be the voice of the Spirit, the voice of the human spirit, or just that inward knowing. But it's not out of our Rolodex head. It's out of our heart. The spiritual treasures. Being led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Verse 3. So remember, see, this is why we did 24 weeks on the churches of Revelation. There's so much in here, and I've left a lot out for these things. Because some of the other stuff just wasn't important for what we needed to talk about this time. So remember what you have received and heard, and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. 
So he gives three things they need to do. Remember, keep, and repent. Those are the three things. Remember means to call to or bear in mind. That's not hard to understand. But why does he tell them to remember? Because memories have to be dug up. Now, unfortunately, if you go to some of these therapists, they want to dig up the wrong memories. Memories, even the things that God has done for you. I've been saved for 41 years now. There are things that I have to dig up of what God has done for me in the past because they're not just going to be on the surface. You got to dig them up because they get covered with dirt. The dirt of the world, the busyness of life, carnality, backslidden habits, things that we heard in other places that wasn't of God. You're not always cluttered by sin. But it gets cluttered with stuff, things of the world. It gets cluttered because of a failure to watch. Amen. Go over to Genesis 26 for a moment. Genesis 26. And let's look at verse 12 through 15 and then verse 18. Genesis 26, 12 through 15 and then 18. Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household, so that the Philistines envied him. I'm sorry, let's, can we go back to 15? It says, now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with earth or dirt. Verse 18. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names which his father had given them. So the Philistines, who are a type of the world stopped up the wells with dirt. The dirt of the world is what stops up our wells. Jesus said to the woman at the, at the well, I'll give you water that will spring up within you into everlasting life. That well of water on the inside that gets stopped up with the dirt of the world that we need to dig again to remember those things and let them flow once again. A lot of times we don't want to remember because when we remember, we are then confronted with our current deterioration state. And we might feel shameful that we've let so many things slip. And it's easier than just to throw back dirt on top of the well and put it out of our mind and just keep it buried. But Jesus is saying we need to remember and dig those wells again. And you'll never change any deterioration in our life until we do this. Jesus says, make a decision to remember. Dig up the wells, bury the old man, and let the new man come out. Be awakened, come forth. Speaking to ourselves like Jesus spoke to Lazarus, come forth. Come forth, old man. 
old man, bury that old man, put the old man under the dirt, and let that new man flow back out of the wells. And you might even listen to this tonight and go, I don't really know what you're talking about. Everything's just great. But I would suggest you check your foundations. To strengthen what remains. He said to strengthen what remains, we must go back and unearth the memories, the right memories. Don't unearth those wrong memories. You know, I was talking to somebody about that today. The, the therapist that always wants you to go into the past and unearth all those old memories and, oh, how you felt back then. That don't help you. There's no answers in that. You don't get an answer by replaying your past. You're only going to get an answer by pre-playing your future. Yes. Something happened when you were five years old that's created such a bad image in you. You going back to that and reliving it again over and over and over again is not going to help you. you got to get a hold of the image of Jesus and get that on the inside of you. That'll wash that old yes. stuff away. It'll crucify your past and give you a resurrected life to live in. Amen. Remembering. You know, remember the early days when you first got saved. You know, you can go back and remember the early days, and that'll expose the present day. You remember the zeal that you had. Remember when you heard the word of God and you was just so excited over it. Remember that you wouldn't miss church for anything. Remember you couldn't just stop speaking in tongues. You'd speak in tongues all the time. And when we remember those things, then we have to face our current condition. Well, I was, uh, I was young and excited back in those days, but today I have wisdom. Yes, more worldly than anything, I'm sure. <laughs> you stop getting excited about the Word of God because you're more mature. You miss church now because you're more mature. You don't speak in tongues as much anymore because you're more mature. You don't have the zeal you used to have because you're more mature. Somebody's lying to you, and I think you're lying to yourself. See, when we remember these things, you're going to wind up with two choices. This is what Jesus is saying. Choose to strengthen the things that remain. If you don't, then you will decide to rot, wither, perish by doing nothing. You have to choose to strengthen. It won't just happen. Subtly becoming more and more dead with a little leaven that starts to leaven through the whole lump. A little clutter here, a little clutter there, just a little bit at a time. You know, when we first started in the office, Friday would be our day off. Friday, Saturday was our weekend, still is. And um, so Friday, every Friday morning, Pastor Nid would go out walking with a friend of hers and I would stay home and I'd spend the time Friday morning and I'd study and I'd just read and just enjoy time in the presence of the Lord and do some worship and things like that. And then she was doing that for a while and then I decided, well, I'm going to go out and walk with you in a Friday morning. And um, 
I figured, you know, we can go walk together and then later on we'll come home and maybe, you know, do some reading and, and do those kinds of things. And, but you know what happened? I went walking with her and I lost the quiet time. I lost the reading time and I lost the study time. And I had to realize I need to quit walking. Now, walking didn't seem like much. Certainly isn't a sin. But you know what? It was a little leaven. It was just enough to draw you away. And with a failure to watch, you keep going because you got drawn away a little bit. Not so bad, but then you get drawn away a little bit. Not so bad from where I was, but then you get drawn away. Not so bad. I was just over here. No, you weren't just over here. You were over there. And little by little, you get drawn away, drawn away, drawn away. Why? Failure to watch. Remember what you have received and what you have heard. And get filled back up again. Remember the way things were from the very, very beginning. Remember the zeal. Thank you, Jesus. Remember the excitement. Remember what God is doing for you and how God was moving for you. Well, God don't seem to move like he did, you know, 15 years ago. Maybe you've moved. You know, you could have a live in a neighborhood and have a neighbor that is just so good to you and doing all kinds of things for you and stuff. And then five years later, you go, well, my neighbor don't do anything for me anymore. Well, that's because you moved 40 miles away. And you don't have the neighbor over there like you had over here. So they didn't move. You moved. And it's never God that moves. We can always say things like, I long for the days of. What do you think he's thinking? He longed for the days that you would be with him. He longed for the days when he was the one that was you were just so wrapped up in him. He, he longs for those days that as his children, that we would just walk through life with him, just thinking about him, involved with him. I mean, we still had stuff we had to do. You know, people say, well, you know, I, I have to go to work. Well, we had to go to work. Or, you know, you have late night meetings and stuff. You go, well, we have kids. Well, we had kids. We would bring them to church and we would have them dressed in uh, uh, night clothes or bring sleeping bags for them. And we would stay late at church. But you know what the deal is? That most people don't know how to take faith and apply it into their everyday life. They let life tell them what they need to do. And here we are the most powerful people on the face of the earth. Letting life just tell us what we can do, what we can't do, how we can act, how we should talk. And little by little, it creeps in because of a failure to watch. Amen. Well, you know, this wasn't really a happy service. <laughs> but it's something that can really change your life. 
If you will take these things seriously, it can really change your life. You don't have to continue down the road that you were on. You can make the shift and you can get back. Amen. So let's just bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Holy Spirit, we look to you to bring these things to our remembrance. If they are dug up, if they're under the dirt, we'll make the decision to do the digging. But we're looking to you, Holy Spirit, to bring up those memories the things that the Lord has done, the things that you have moved in our life with, the things that you have shown us, instructed us in, the things you have led us and guided us in, the things where works were corresponding actions, that they were living works, Lord, that they were not dead works, but living, full of your life, that everything we were doing was full of you, that we could not stop thinking about you. We could not stop uh, looking to you. Everything that we did, it was all about you. Help us, Lord. Show us, Lord, that we would come back to this place, that we make this decision today, that we are going to give ourselves to what you have said. Number one, remember. That's where we're at. We are going to remember these things. That we'll not fail to watch anymore. But as we remember then when things start to creep in and the things we remember seems to be slipping away, we'll press on back into it again. We'll not let it slip. We'll not let it slide. We'll not let it die. We'll not let it rot. But we'll press into life and life more abundantly. Oh, Father, thank you that you're more than enough. Thank you that as we turn back towards you, that you are there to meet us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 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 Just lift your hands to him. Say, Lord, I receive that. Oh, I open myself up to you. Lord, here I am. I'm the dirt digger. I'm digging the dirt out so that the wells could flow again. In those wells are memories, things that has happened, things that you've done for me, ways that you've blessed me. Oh, Father, they even have things that have slipped away from my thinking. But I open myself up to you to let it flow, Lord. Let it flow, Lord. Let it flow, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, we bless you and we honor you. Thank you. Thank you for your word, that it is good, good for teaching, good for discipline, good for reproof, good for training in righteousness, that we would be adequate and equipped for every good deed. Father, I thank you that every good deed that you have created us for, created us for good works, that they're living works, full of your life and empowered by your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we'll not do things without you, but we look to you in all that we do and have an expectation of your leadership and your guidance in all that we do. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Lord, as we come before you now with our giving, we do so, Father, according to your word. You said there's one that gives and yet increases all the more. You said that we can purpose in our heart to give. And, Father, you said that we can hear from heaven what it is that we ought to give. So we come before you right now. And out of the spiritual treasures of our heart, Father, we sow our seed based on your word and the leadership of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the opportunity. And thank you, Lord, that as we do so, that you will, according to your word, bring back an increase of harvest of this righteous act of giving. We thank you for it. We bless you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.